0: Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to another KG, Fifth Board Wildcat and Doc podcast. We have a guest with us because Wildcat is is uh, doing his thing, paying some bills, putting some money in his pocket, working. We got Brother Charles Bishop joining us. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well tonight. Thank you for inviting me back again.
0: Thank you for agreeing to show your knowledge. Uh, yes. it's going to be a good one. Doc, how are, how are you, sir? Doing well, doing well. All right, we may work a little backwards here, but uh, let's well, let's do it like this: Rockets, Spurs, Western Conference semifinals series is tied 1-1. First two games have been blowouts, one for each side. But the big news of uh, during Game Two, Spurs' win was the injury to Tony Parker. Spurs announced today that he's out for the obviously the playoffs with a torn left quadriceps. Surgery will be required, so there's no telling how long rehab is going to be and, and at what point, because initially Tony Parker said he's, he wanted to play another five years before this injury happened, so we'll see if that, if the injury and the surgery impacts that decision and the timeline and cuts it out and has him contemplate retirement, who knows those kind of things, but what are your thoughts on the injury? How much of an impact would it make on, on the series? Does it change your tune if you were picking the Spurs to win the series? Does it change your tune on that? Now you got Rock's winning the series. How about what it's out there for either one of y'all. What do you think?
2: I'll jump in there on this. Uh, I think first let me say for Tony Parker, I'm not necessarily a San Antonio Spurs fan. I do appreciate what that team has been able to do over the years in terms of just winning championships, uh playing really good basketball, I don't want to use the vernacular of i playing the right way. That is furthest from my mind in regards to why I appreciate it. I think that's a slap in the face when you talk about uh, those commentaries. Um, but uh, it just is an end of an era. Obviously, Tim Duncan retired last year, and now you have Tony Parker not necessarily being able to go out on his own accord Obviously, you'd imagine that he'd probably at least try to make one year comeback. Um, but still, the fact that you get so uh, get injured so late in your career, mm-hmm. in some ways it's kind of like Kobe Bryant. Uh, obviously, it was a little early for him in terms of length of his contract, and the team was not at the level as San Antonio, so from that standpoint, it's different. Uh, Kawhi Leonard gives them a boost mm-hmm. in regards to being able to take this hit. They have always been pretty deep. Tony Parker has not been playing uh, as much, but he has been playing well to some degree a little bit later. Yeah. He went back and forth for the first round series that he had. So I'm not sure just how deep it cuts in terms of the matchup, how much they would miss him. I had uh, picked the Spurs to win it, but it was really narrow. Mm -hmm. I think it becomes a little narrower, if you would, if you allow me to use that. um, The gap uh, really shifts. And so now I'm going to give the edge to the Rockets in terms of winning this series. Not necessarily just because of the Tony Parker injury, mm-hmm. but what I think in general the way Houston is playing and seeing their matchup, obviously it was different yesterday's game. But you know San Antonio was going to have fight. You know they're going to come back. So the expectation to me for them to take two in San Antonio is a bit Uh, challenging. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now they come home, they do have a series advantage. Um, With the injury to Parker, I think they can win another game in San Antonio, even if they split here. Mm -hmm. And then you come back and play that one game at home to try to take the series 4-2. And that's basically the way I see it falling out. Is that uh, either they're going to take both at home um, and still lose going back to San Antonio and win it 4-2 Uh, from that standpoint, I split here and then still find a way to win in San Antonio and then win back at home. So either way, I think it's going to end 4-2 with the Rockets getting it. And I think just for them getting that first game is more of the reason that I'm changing in regards to, in addition, with losing Parker. I think that's a little too much for San Antonio. Right. Versus then just saying, putting it all on the fact that Parker is out. But, again, I'd wrap up my scenario with um, just – heartfelt frustration for Tony Tony Parker Mm -hmm. uh, that he got injured as he's trying to make a run uh, literally to a championship at least at Western Conference final showdown. And so just as a fan of sports and knowing uh, with the interviews we do covering sports um, and that's really for me from high school in a lot of ways all the way up to the professional level that how much these individuals certainly at the professional level put into their sport. So in that vernacular, it's really uh, frustrating to see a player get injured uh, in a playoff game. So I hate, I just hate it for NBA, I hate it for the series as just a fan, and certainly for Tony Parker, those right. knows support supporting. Yeah, I think uh, follow up on what you were saying, you hate it as a fan because uh, uh,
1: you know what Tony Parker brings uh, to the Spurs, uh, I, I think, just like you, I think it it, it tips the scales a little, a little bit more in the Rockets' favor. I mean, uh, you take a look at Tony Parker and his eight playoffs. So, playoff. did you
2: have the Rockets going in, or
1: I had the Spurs going in because of the home court advantage. I I, I liked and Kawhi Leonard to me, he's. Yeah. He's you know one A in terms of MVP. He could, he certainly could
2: carry.
1: A team. Exactly, he, he can definitely carry a team. And not that Harden isn't. Not that Harden isn't. But I I, I, no, I'm
2: not saying yeah. he is because he had a bad game
1: yesterday. Yeah, mean well, and that was the thing, and I and I think I, I might have mentioned it to the other podcast is what happens when you drape Kawhi Leonard on James Harden. We saw the results you said that, man. Ooh. Yeah. So brilliant uh, move. Yeah, in game two you had to do it, especially after after he went off in game one. But you know, Tony Parker, I, I, he was doing so well in these playoffs in terms of uh, of, of of averaging close to sixteen points a game. Uh, and you're running commercials. I uh, yeah, I know. it was a computer. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, I mean, you're just, a high-tech
0: man. It's all right.
1: <laughs> I know, right. <laughs> but I mean, just uh he, he you, you know what he brings uh, to the Spurs in terms of the uh, playoff experience and and just clutch, you know. It, 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 like you said, the kind of the end of an era with Tim Duncan last year and Tony Parker going down uh, this year. I, it's 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 going to be tough I think for the Spurs to overcome uh the way the Rockets can't shoot the ball, and and I think the scary thing for the Spurs is where's Marcus Aldridge? I you know I've yet mm-hmm. to really see him you know show up uh, as of yet, and he might have a knee issue. Although Greg Popovich is saying no, he doesn't, but you know cameras are zooming in on him, <laughs> you know, uh, in terms of uh, touching on his knee and things of that nature. So, you know, if you're a Rockets fan, I I, I think the I think it's looking up for you with Tony Parker going down.
2: Yeah, Tony Parker ruptured left quadriceps. Codgers-
0: And the Rockets, from a media perspective, and well, a fan perspective, too, are damned if they do, damned if they don't. Because now if they beat the Spurs, people will say, well, you beat them because Tony Parker was out. If they lose to the Spurs, you couldn't beat them without Tony Parker playing. So, but that's (laughs) for the outsider to say. Mm-hmm. The point is to advance to the next round of the playoffs right? and face the Warriors because I don't think any of us believe the Warriors will lose to the Jazz in the semifinal series right now going on. But in game two is uh, about our way as we do this podcast between Golden State and Utah. And Utah's without point guard, George Hill, which is one less weapon for them to go against the Warriors. So that's tough. makes it even more difficult for them to Utah mm-hmm. to beat Golden State.
2: And a matchup. As we get in there, I'll let you finish up with this one, obviously. The matchup for Utah just doesn't fit. Right. In terms of, right. You know, you really like the matchup they had with the Clippers in terms of the style of play, right. what they were able to do, uh, but I'm not sure if this matchup really fits what they want to do in Utah. Obviously, like a lot of places, uh, um, similar to what you can see with even go in to Toronto, Utah is a very raucous place to play. Mm-hmm. So if they can get that energy early and maybe somehow get Golden State a little behind and force them to do more than what they want to do, yeah, maybe they can find a way to pull out a game there. But it's hard to, It's hard for me to imagine they, they can pull out more yeah, than a game yeah. out of this series.
1: I think when you saw the other night when Golden State went to that, what did they call it, that, 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 that small lineup, that death lineup. The death lineup, yep. yeah. I, that that really gave Utah some issues. And, you know, when you can – Play at a level where you take one of their main weapons out of, of the game out yeah, of the game. yeah that's 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 huge yeah. for the warriors going forward.
0: and getting back to i don't I don't like predicting sweeps because it's so hard I mean you, you're dealing with professionals and you know right. anything can happen in one game, but I just don't see Utah winning more than once in the series right you know yeah. you leaning towards a sweep yeah I wouldn't be shocked if it's a sweep like I wouldn't be shocked if Cleveland sweeps Toronto it's just matchups Correct. styles you know <laughs> the Raptors just Styles make fights. Right. Styles styles make they, fight just, they just don't. Raptors just don't match up with with Cleveland well at all. And Demar Derozan and, and Kyle Lowry struggle. The Raptors are in a world of hurt. So they, they don't have enough weapons to go against Kyrie and LeBron. LeBron by himself is playing out his world right now. He's
2: can obviously you have the current series with uh, Boston and Washington. It looks like Washington is going to find a way to get back in this series as they go home, leaning, leading by sixty three to forty three as we. Do our podcast with 11:48 left in the third. Um, in terms of that matchup, I know we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but since we're on it with mm-hmm. Cleveland, looking the fact that a sweep is highly likely in terms of the way they're playing. Let's say Toronto gets a game yeah. at best two. Uh, if we somehow get it there, so we we see Cleveland moving forward, moving sure. on. Mm-hmm. Right. Which of the two matchups do you think uh, is better in terms of an entertaining matchup uh, between Boston or Washington?
0: Depth-wise, mm. probably um, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> National coverage-wise. Uh, entertainment-wise. Entertainment-wise.
2: The eyeballs is Boston. Boston because okay. of Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah.
0: And everything. He's just had a but sensational you're season. in terms of the numbers met, we break yeah.
2: it down. Washington matches are better. Because,
0: you know, that backcourt with John Wall is playing great and Bradley Beal. They both have to be hot, but they both yeah, they r- are playing very well, and they have enough size up front to at least more than what you bother. See with this, yeah, more than you see with the Toronto matchup. Mm. Yeah,
1: boy, I'd love to see a Kyrie Irving and John and Wall matchup. Exactly, that'd you know fun. that'd be that'd be fun <laughs> to watch too.
0: But but Isaiah Thomas, all five foot nine That's of true. Him, yeah. and missed the fourth quarter this year. Woo! You know, and yeah, and I believe he became he the big shot. the first or second a Boston shot. Celtic yeah. to score fifty in a playoff game. And you it's know, amazing and that he
2: was able to do that when you talk about everything he's going through. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it's not yeah. new news, the mm-hmm. fact that he has lost his sister in a tragic accident. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he did that on a birthday, which you know yeah. loomed large, right. it is amazing. And I'm not sure if we give um, athletes credit for being able to package that. Yeah. That pain, uh, wanting to play well, obviously, all eyes on you uh, in a playoff-type atmosphere and series you're you not necessarily ain't playing that good the whole game. Your team certainly was not playing that game. Sure. But you get a chance to find a way to get in the fourth quarter to push it to overtime, and you close the game in that manner. Right. Um, that, that That is just amazing, whether it's a player doing it while he's sick or whether it's a player doing it literally because uh, he's sick in terms of the pain he feels in his heart mentally. Yeah. Uh, I, that is just fascinating to me and amazing to me, and I'm not sure that we really – Give enough credit to players being able to separate themselves like that, yeah, yeah. we have. talk about yeah, that's your your profession and you know to certain degrees you got to do that, obviously in our livelihood, there's no question right for the most part, somebody that dies in your family, even your company folks even if it's not on the books, generally speaking, people going to find a way to let you go, even in the military, yeah, right? right, in the military, you had war, even in war they find a way what. As soon as possible, bring you home or right. something like that. Happened. Right. right, you know when it's that. So we talking about serious in most professions, you had ability to do that, right? Right, to go home, grieve. Now you might have to go back and do what you ought to do, right? But this man literally did not take the game off, right? Yes. Uh, plane rides, yeah, they dri- in a lot more comfort, but he was sure first class in a lot of ways. But still, uh, late night the stress, the grievance, right. not to say it's any more or any less than anybody else, but I'm talking about his ability to, to package that and yeah. perform right. uh, at that level.
0: And he, right. and he carried Boston. A-K-D? He He A-K-D? is carrying that team to the success they're enjoying right that's now in the playoffs. Absolutely. He's amazing. Gentlemen, that's just amazing. I'm going to really bounce around and throw, throw this at you. NFL draft Let's just do finished last week, and we talked touched on the last podcast about the Texans. Try nothing to get Deshaun to, to Watson. So this read this note this morning. NFL draft is complete. 2017 draft is done. 15 players from the American Athletic Conference were drafted. Wow. 14 nice. players from the Big 12 were drafted. Hmm. Let's say that again. 15 players from the AAC were drafted. 14 players from the Big 12 were drafted. One of those conferences is Power 5. <laughs> and one of those is not Power 6. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. So I read that. That was in the, a column uh, by Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman who Russell Westbrook has made famous that again.
1: To say. <laughs>
0: but um, Barry Trammell was basically their article was about recruiting must improve in the Big 12 for them to become relevant again. And this is one of the tidbits that he mentioned in the article. <clears throat> that's, you know, caught my eye because U of H is in the American. So I was like, that's really, but he has some other ones in there <clears throat> that really add to the point of the struggles of the Big 12 football landscape recruiting the last few years. 11 players from Rutgers have been taken in the last six drafts. Rutgers. Rutgers. Wow. Eight players from Iowa State and Kansas combined have been taken in the last six drafts. Think about that. Two Western Michigan players went in the first two rounds last week, two Big 12 players went in the first two rounds of the draft last week.
1: That's amazing.
0: In the last six drafts, 12 Boston Cottage players have been drafted, while 10 Kansas State players have been drafted. Boston College is not exactly a football college football powerhouse. In the last six drafts, 16 Mississippi State players have been drafted, while 13 Longhorns have been drafted. Think about that.
1: Considering the number of Texas high school players that are all sprinkled throughout the Big 12, has the door been opened even more? With other conferences being able to get their hands on a lot of Texas talent.
0: No question. I got to find the note because let's see. Here we go. Um, Not three LSU players were picked in the first round. Not since 2011 has the Big 12 had more than three first-round picks. And of the Big 12's eight first-round picks in 2011, six were from Texas Mm A&M, Missouri, Nebraska, and Colorado. In other words, schools. We're no longer in the big 12 <laughs> <laughs> so wow. you get where we're where he's coming from talking about the lack of talent in the big 12 and yes this is the same conference that said oh no we don't want to have University of Houston in in our conference because they will take all the talent in Houston in
2: well, obviously, based on what they, that uh, price, That'd be true, I, right? right, right. And yeah. It looks like Because <laughs> they certainly like, not getting them without them, so right. they say they could get it with them. <laughs> so, in some ways, I think they're telling on themselves of why they were literally scared of bringing U of H into the conference.
0: So, I, I thought that was some fascinating stuff right there. And this is like, the Big 12 has Power 5 money. Mm-hmm. The AAC hopes to have power five money, but it's far from it. And they're trying to claim themselves to be a power six. And earlier this week, the AAC announced their conference, what do we call it, blueprint to all the conference members about the things that they hope to accomplish and for the student athletes. I gotta pull it up and read some of it because Wildcat emailed it to us. They didn't send out a press release about it, but it's on the AAC website. And it, it's basically trying to expand the brand of AAC, and in the comments from the commissioner, Commissioner Mike Oresco, he did refer to them as a Power Six school.
1: I like that branding. So he
0: <laughs> he's 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 the only person nationally Power Six who 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 says it and mentions mentions it over and over again that they are a Power Six conference. I think the three of us have mentioned it in our podcast more than probably anybody else, locally for sure, Absolutely, that they are a Power Six conference. But money-wise, they sh- they're far from the rest of the other five Power Conferences. But yes, the American Athletic Conference unveils a stri- tr- strategic plan. Earlier this week, it was Monday, when they announced it. And let me just read a, f- a few little tidbits here. The plan identifies the Americans core philosophies and activation plans that will support the league's mission. Is a quote from Commissioner Resco. Our aim as a Power Six Conference is to pursue academic and athletic excellence at every level and within the context of our core values. Our mission statement and series of goals and strategies reflect the collective spirit of our schools as our student athletes seek to distinguish themselves in their academic, athletic, and personal pursuits. Our schools also seek to engage effectively with their communities and with their peers in the intercollegiate community. Branding. That's what he's trying to do. Branding. The plan highlights five pillars which are the foundation of the conference's mission and which are key to maintaining and enhancing its role as a national leader in intercollegiate athletics. One student health, safety, and well-being. Two, academic excellence. Three, athletic excellence. Four, branding, marketing, communications, and public relations. And five, revenue generation. Each of these pillars contain specific goals, strategies, and action items. The plan reflects the American's institution's ongoing and strong commitment to their outstanding student athletes and coaches and provides a roadmap for continued success. Sounds great. Sounds sounds great. Sounds yeah. like the bar is raised kind of high. Right. Which le- leads me to go to my alma mater,
1: <laughs>
0: the University of Houston. Conferences has some standards and pillars of excellence. So it's high time that we, in the basketball program, reach those pillars of excellence and get things done on the court, including... Getting to the NCAA tournament. Like I said last week, not the NIT, not the CBI, Mm -hmm. not the CIT, not the three letters. Mm -hmm. I want to go to the four letters, the NCAA.
1: The talent is there or the talent's on the way?
0: From what people are telling me, the talent will be here for this 2017-2018 season. So talent's there. The foundation, the core of Coach Sampson's, he's built a strong core of what he believes in, in academics. Getting stronger, they hired a director of strength and performance yesterday to make the, you know, help build up the players' endurance, strength and conditioning. So they're trying to do all the right things. So all these pieces seem to be in place. You, you got the God B. Lewis Development Center. Ground has been broken for the tillman Fortita Center, you know, raise half That'll open up next season, the 2018-2019 season. So, yes, they'll be traveling around the city playing games at H&PE and, and Toyota Center, conference games will be at, at Toyota Center. But I, and uh, along with other alums, are expecting the Cougars to get to the NCAA tournament because that's what I expect. Mm-hmm. It's been... They've been to one tournament in 33 years. Wow. And they lost in the first round of that. They haven't won a game in the NBA tournament since 84.
1: It's amazing. I didn't That's amazing I did not know that. And
0: wow. So that's very disappointing. Yeah. But because as I say and I've said on Twitter, we are the University of Houston. We need to expect better. We should expect better. I know some person, I know one person who expects better. And seems to me, Doc, Mm -hmm. the data professor, to be a hell of a marketing person. He is a hell of a promoter. I am talking about the gentleman who earlier today, earlier Thursday, (laughs) unveiled the, I guess it's pronounced, two Shoe Line with the main... Before
2: before you jump in there, I know
0: we're going to do this, but since
2: we're talking about... um, the American Athletic Conference. I want to get uh, to what this judge says, which I'm going to call out simply as racism, mm. a racist fact uh, in terms of what is going on with her comments about Charlie Strong and the player behavior of his players. I think it's racist in two components. The first, the fact that she intimates that any individual has control of another individual. Correct. Right, is... It, disconcerting to me. Obviously you have players that are under your guidance, but to use the word control Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of young men and in a lot of cases adults is troubling to me. We're past the days of, of enslaving individuals, particularly individuals of African descent. I know we do have human trafficking and some enslavement of individuals in a different framework, but to intimate this is quite frustrating to me in that framework, and I'm going to kind of go and dissect this um, review. And this is coming from Tampa, Florida. Uh, AP News, where the article talks about judge, rips UCF coach Charlie Strong for behaviors of players, and obviously you're supposed to be a judge, and judge over ruling things, and in a lot of ways, we know this is not the case, but your personal sure. feelings on your judgment is not really supposed to be expoused. Obviously, under this era of Trumpism as we come out of the, the fact that the uh, repeal and replace of what they call calling Obamacare, obviously with the GOP, uh, doing what they did tells you a lot on that statement itself. And we're just living in that age. And I think this is a point now in the past where you may have had to deal with it. I think it's the time where now you call things for what it, out for what they are. Sure. You're racist or you make racist statements. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about you making racist statements. Mm-hmm. We're not going to hide about telling you whether mistruths are. It. If you lie, you are lying. Mm-hmm. That's
0: we're what we are going to have to play
2: these games. That's right. what we do in this podcast. So go right? ahead. Preach on. Right. So this judge uh, feels the need, and this is Circuit Judge Margaret Taylor of Hillsborough County. Uh, was told uh, defensive end Ladarius Jackson during the hearing Wednesday that she is a graduate of UCF, who is embarrassing ashamed shame. Obviously, she has every right to feel that way. I don't have a problem with that. But I'm really concerned when she comes out here and says, quote, Coach Strong, if you're listening, in this last couple of months there has been two arrests of your players for very violent felonies. This court, and I'm sure I'm not alone, questions whether you have control of your players, end quote. The judge says in the courtroom, Video out of Tampa Bay Times from a television station, WTSP, as quoted again in the AP News. She believes, quote, it is fairly clear that you do not have control. I just told you in itself that I believe that is a racist statement in itself, again, that, you have, that you're supposed to have control of another individual. Sure. Uh, obviously, these people have lo- left the house. They're not children um, in, in terms of that framework. They may not have the behavior of adults that need to be adjudicated appropriately, and if that is the case, certainly that needs to be done. But what I'm having an issue is your ability uh, to have malfeasance uh, in regards to calling out people uh, in in an unnecessary framework, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Finishing up or starting over with the quote, Coach Strong, if you are listening, in the last couple of months there have been two arrests of your players for very violent felonies the court, and I'm sure I'm not alone, questions whether you have control of your players, end quote. I just told you about my f- disgust with that. But she finished up the quote uh, to some degree here with a her next statement. It is fairly clear you do not uh, have control of them off the field. And I guess only time will tell whether you have control of them on the field, end quote, which means you really wasn't. Uh, accepting of this hire, let's just be frank with that. And now you have a platform to voice your opinion, mm-hmm. which you should be dealing with the case, not your opinion on the football right. uh, coach, but which is a racist statement mm-hmm. and the racist fact that you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I would implore you to think long and hard about whether being head coach of USCF is a good fit for you before any other members of the community have to suffer at the hands of your players. End quote. You have you had you're fine with having. African-American players, at 60%, run the ball up and down the field. You're fine with cheering them. Mm-hmm. You, you have problems with, having a, with people in leadership positions coaching them, mm-hmm. which is a racist framework in itself.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And it needs to stop. Mm-hmm. And we need to call these people out when they make racist statements and tell them that is racist. And if you decide whether you are a racist person, that's fine. If the definition fits you, so be it. Finally, um, in this, it's frustrating to hear, in quote, in another quote that she makes here. In short time I have been here, our program has been built on character, discipline, and family. We have wonderful men in UCF football who have choose to do the right thing uh, in terms of Strong's comment back to this. Quote, while I'm shocked and saddened at the recent arrest in the members of the team, I am disappointed that the actions of two players over the last two months have been harmed in the reputation of the program, of our wonderful university, and of my character, end quote. Strong added, quote, we have the highest expectation of our coaches, staff, and student athletes, and we hold our accounta- accountable to those who act contrary to the values, end quote. One of the reasons that the NFL came to Texas in support of Strong was the fact of how we handled individuals that got themselves in trouble. He put them off the team. Right. These two players, one was put off the team that did this, immediately the other one was suspended. Mm-hmm. So he continues to do that. Right. One of the reasons people were frustrated in Texas is the fact that they didn't even leave him on the team. Right. Now he's doing what he did. Like I said, he was celebrated at NFL to some degree at Texas until he couldn't do it on the field. Right. But now we have somebody talking about this. These are not players he recruited. Oh, exactly.
1: Exactly.
2: She didn't address that. That was a white coach before it. Right. Brother that was down there, excuse me, before him. Yeah. But the fact is, she didn't jump on him for that. Right. So, again, this is a problem. When you have the ability to want these players to play for you on the field, you don't want to pay them. You want to generate all the revenue from them as if they're athletic sharecropping. But then you have a problem in every other framework when you have African-American in leadership position. Sure. This needs to stop. Sure. And we need to call these people out for what they are. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I
1: think the the first thing that jumped out at me uh, was she obviously doesn't know the history of Charlie Strong, especially over here at UT, with, with regards to... And before that in Louisville. And before that in Louisville as well, with regards to uh, discipline within a program, things of that nature. But uh, the thing that jumped out at me was Uh, would she have been as arrogant calling out Florida State's coach or calling out...
2: Well, let's say it. If she would have been arrogant calling out a white coach. Sure. And give me another example of where you had a judge, because this is not the only case, unfortunately, where we have young men crossing the line Mm -hmm. of all colors, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. of all ethnicities, as I like to say, really. Mm -hmm. But I've never heard a judge... Calling out these coaches, we have coaches that have got themselves in trouble in regards to going into NCAA. We have coaches that are having sex in the bathroom. I've never heard a judge <laughs> call out any of these coaches. Mm-hmm. And why she cheating on their wives? She did it in a court in a courtroom. You're right. I've argument. never had it. I've never seen it.
1: All right.
2: So don't give me this about her comments as if it's. The, Different, uh, we listen, that's, no, we haven't heard this before. Mm-hmm. So this is racist thinking, racist statements. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to hide about I'm not going to play nice. Great
0: point. Excellent point. And we're going to shift gears. We're go- we'll get back to Mr. Ball in the shoe. But t- talking college football, Stop. yesterday, May 3rd, Alabama, Gave Nick Saban a raise, a four million dollar signing bonus. He's gonna make eleven point one two five million dollars this year. <laughs> man, the money's good. University of Alabama. To the
2: wrong. University of Alabama
0: is a, is a state school, right? I'm Public born school. the wrong color too. <laughs> so one man making this amount of money at for coaching football players. some of them
2: still get in trouble, right?
0: And oh, oh, no doubt. Get in trouble. We could go and we could do some Google searches about how he handled some of his players. One of he he put back on the team on for him to mess up again. Right. And then he, he which I, let me make this clear.
2: I don't have a problem with a coach working with players and discipline however they see fit. Loans it's across the board for the most part, and you can see some of that. I don't. That's not the point that I'm making here. The fact that I hadn't heard any judge in Alabama mm-hmm. calling him out, even judges. For his players that live in Louisiana, they get in trouble. Even though Judge, maybe the cops <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but even the judge, but the DA had since we don't call them out. Right. Let's see. Let me see here. Boy, it must be nice to be a football coach at the collegiate level right now. They begging more than NFL coach. There isn't enough Somewhere. to go
1: around, sounds like, though, huh? That's
2: what they tell us.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's the thing. And we can toss it, you know, folks say, Well, he's worth every penny. No, I'm
2: not arguing. I actually
0: would agree that he's worth every penny. But it's easier
2: for him to get every penny when the pie that he's getting the pennies from is not spread across everybody that's working to help elevate the platform that gets the larger part of the revenue piece as high as it is. There's no question that he's worth whatever he can get. Now, I live in America. I like capitalism for the most part. And certainly, while I'm under the U.S., that in capitalism rules, I'm going to celebrate it. So that's not my argument. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong on that. We should get every penny you get. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about understanding how the money is distributed. We're going to go deeper than that. We happen to do that when we talk sport management. I happen to be a professor in the Sport management program. We can do that. We can underline that. And now that I'm here on the podcast, I can bring that to the listeners so they can understand from a bigger perspective that uh,
0: we understand and celebrate capitalism. Yes, we do. <laughs> but we're going to toss this out. Well, we sure do. <laughs> <laughs> afraid, not, not at all. Not at all. And if I toss up, and I could do my Kellyanne Conway commercial. If you want to become a sponsor of Houston Brown you hit me up. You know, so I had no problem making that making that green. <laughs> Certainly. But, just to put a little period on the amount of money Nick Saban and Alabama coaching staff make. Outside linebackers coach got a $400,000 raise and will make $950,000 salary. Outside linebackers coach. making nearly a million dollars. Which is more than almost 50 D1 head coaches. Wow. That's the outside linebackers coach. D1 FBS coach. Yes.
1: Ooh, it pays to go in and tell Big Mama how how much her son is going to help University of Alabama.
0: Yet, (laughs) these same folks tell us that they cannot afford to pay the players. Mm. And that the players are not employees. On and on about all this other kind of stuff. Yet, you can give the coaches all kinds of money, but you can't pay the players. $5,000 Five thousand dollars here, ten thousand. Oh no, we can't. No, we can't even pay him a dime. But we can give the outside linebackers coach <laughs> a million dollars. We can give the strength coach, Alabama. I believe he makes a million dollars as well. Yes. Yeah. But we cannot pay the players squat. Here's a quote Got from
2: made overseas.
0: I mean, there you go. <laughs> They're profiteering off an illegal system. That's a quote, I want to get his first name. I forgot it, but this is. Uh, Ramogi, Huma, Huma, from Mm. of the National College Players Association, who's been trying to get players to unionize. Unionize, yeah. When you illegally take money from a workforce, that money has to go somewhere. It's gold plating the coaches' salaries, AD salaries. Don't forget them. Even the assistant coaches' salaries and the president. Yes, it's not just immoral; it's illegal. Uma continues, they're profiteering off an illegal system. This is an illegal price-fixing scheme that illegally caps what players can receive. That the court systems are supporting. Agreed. What other group of citizens in America would you encourage to go into a system or justify them being robbed for four years? This is America. This is capitalism. You're supposed to make as much money as you can legally. Everybody celebrates that. They celebrate professionals, and they celebrate being extraordinary, which these college athletes are. There is absolutely no excuse, no justification to try to defend an illegal system, end quote.
1: Well, wait a second. Aren't Unless you you're
0: a from it. You don't get an education. You have an opportunity, <laughs> you to, an earn opportunity an to earn education.
1: Exactly. They don't give you anything. Let's make sure
2: we get that straight.
0: Because those four-year scholarships are, are one year. One year. Exactly. Yeah. They do have some institution
2: mainly in the well, now, Big Ten, right. where they'll give four-year uh, degrees. But they still have a coach that has the ability um, to not renew those one-year contracts. You also have the framework um, where. If you get injured, they don't necessarily have to honor certain things. Mm. Uh, From that, a lot more of them are playing for the
0: injuries. And let me touch on this, because I believe you. And
2: they are capping it.
0: Mm Yes.
2: If you are a person that really believes in capitalism, this is a cap. This is an artificial, as he says, illegal cap. Mm -hmm. Price fixing in any other industry is what this would be called.
0: And I believe you mentioned the references in previous podcasts. UMass political scientist, I'm going to hurt them, pronounce their name poorly. I apologize. Let me just spell it first. T A T I S H E. How would you say that? Tatisha, Tatishi, last name, N T E T A, Tatishi Netta, co authored a study this year that found. Most white Americans are reluctant to pay college athletes because of, quote, racial resentment, end quote. We found that race was the strongest explanation of white opposition to pay for play.
2: This is an academic study? This is not somebody's yes. opinion? This no. is academic
0: study? Yes. The study found evidence that racially resentful whites who were subtly primed to think about African Americans are more likely to express opposition to paying college athletes when compared with similarly resentful whites who are primed to think about whites. Because free market conservatism, resistance to changes in the status quo, opposition to expanding federal power, and reluctance to endorse government redistributive policies cannot possibly explain these results, we conclude that racial resentment is a valid measure of anti-black prejudice. End quote.
1: Athletic sharecroft athletic sharecropping that's a great, it's great the world of the day Yeah.
0: and here we go this is in the New, York Daily, the New York Daily News to be fair the idea of not paying college athletes hurts white players as much as it does Sorry. black players but it's not hard to see how much how the issue impacts more black athletes than whites back to uh, Umogi Uma quote the color that matters is green it's greed end quote Adding to the hypocrisy of not paying athletes, schools are more more than willing to pay other students and finance research that can benefit them. Without this system, your life would be much different. Google was started by two PhD students at Stanford in 1996. Students Larry Page and Sergey Brin were financed through a fellowship when they created the algorithm that eventually became the ubiquitous web search engine. Google was part of a research project Stanford helped to get off the ground on a campus where researchers can earn more than $50,000 a year. Through stock options, Stanford made more than $330 million off its investment in paid and brand's work. So it can work. If this system can exist in business, Hmm. engineering, and science, then why can't it exist in athletics too? Quote, that's further evidence that these same colleges that are turning their backs on the athletes, saying you shouldn't be able to enjoy the fruits of your labor without an illegal system, is a contradiction. End quote.
1: I'll leave it I was about to say, there it is right there. <laughs> Second word of the day: contradiction. Contradiction, exactly.
0: This is the KG Fifth foot Wildcat and Doc podcast, and I am proud to say, I'm proud to challenge the listeners. You tell me how many other podcasts we hear truth like that. Charles, how can folks find you on the Internet, sir? Because we're going to come back to talk about a different perspective. A different perspective. That's right. Of a black man marketing, promoting his son, shoe line. And talk about it from that perspective. How can folks find on the internet? You sir? can
1: find me on Twitter at C-H-A-R-L-E-S-B-I-S-H one nine five three. That's at Charles Fish 1953. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram under my name.
0: Doc. Yes, yeah, so how can you folks catch find me
1: you? At
2: Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R. K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L again as D-R. K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find me on SoundCloud with a podcast of Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab. You can listen to the show live every Tuesday from 6 to 7. That is Central Standard Time, 6 to 7, with Dr. Cavill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab on KKBQ, 92.9 FM HD2. Uh, if you want to catch it um, on your listening devices. Uh, or you can catch it. At. K2H TV. k 2 TV. We do stream. So you can watch it. As well as listen.
0: Now. Getting back to Lavar Ball's. Big baller brand. <laughs> Unveiled the 2 shoe line. That he designed for his. Oldest son Lonzo. The shoe. The pair debuted today at. $495 on their website. There's another pair of shoes, autograph pair, that are being sold for $995. That's $995. Not nine dollars I said $995. Sandals with Lonzo Ball's logo on the top are $220 per pair. You got a problem with this, Doc?
2: No, I don't have a problem with it at all. Uh, it's not it's not in my (laughs) right (laughs) economic uh platform but i'm not a sneakerhead as they say i don't buy shoes i would really be uh interested in see what the sneakerheads say because obviously we've seen them come out with different brands of shoes and they kill them um so i'm intrigued about that how he's really going to market this Obviously, a lot of the marketing for this started early, and I think he's done a brilliant job of getting his name value. Right. We're going to see how well that
1: happens
2: right. uh, in regards to the sale of these shoes. But I would imagine the markup on these shows is so high uh, that he doesn't have to sell a lot of them uh, to make money off the shoes, mm-hmm. which is intriguing about that, is um, the price point. I would be very intrigued about how he came up with the price point and who is he targeting with these shoes? Um, very interesting. big that. ballers who
0: so are targeting right well, I'm talking big ballers. Exactly. He said, if you can't afford the Zo shoes, you're not a big baller.
2: It's a status symbol. It, I mean those purchasing this shoe, I
1: mean yeah it's, I mean, that's, it,
0: uh, it's, it's what totally
1: I question
2: status. in yeah. terms of price, but I'm talking about I want to know what does that look like in terms of income, uh, in terms of age, in terms of demographics, I'd like to see what does that look like. I understand Mm. uh, from the statements what he's making, but I'm saying actually getting in, as we just talked about on the other side of this, uh, the true business analysis. Who is he really targeting in terms of what does that person look like?
0: Would you be surprised if he hadn't thought that out?
2: No, I would be very surprised if he thought that out. I think uh, he's to get this done in the way that you could tell how he started self-promotion, he has a team behind him mm-hmm. that has looked at this and says that we can get this done. They, they have worked on this, I would suggest, before uh, his son, his first son, actually signed at UCLA. But what this... They were putting this in, in motion. Mm-hmm. So I think the team behind him is suggesting that this market is open. That it, this is a new way to get in the market. That people are looking for something different than Nike and Adidas, right? Uh, that tennis shoes in themselves are no longer just tennis shoes in terms of what you would wear, uh, uh, in terms of um, playing the sport, that in a lot of ways, tennis shoes are even bigger than traditionally what dress shoes are, Mm -hmm. in terms of the capacity of what you would pay for them. Mm -hmm. So obviously that part I see, but I'm still intriguing just to understand, and a lot of this is my naivety, from the standpoint, as I open up the discussion, that I'm not a sneakerhead. Well, you know out there there are Jordans that sell $400, $600. S- so there is a business right. out here for this. Exactly. We will start to analyze from this, what does that mean? I'll give you, for example, there are some clothing lines, whether they're from French, Italy, some of them tied to rappers, some of them tied to entertainment people mm-hmm. that are able to sell these at what we would call exorbitant prices. Right. But because they are able to brand them in such a way, uh, they are able to sell them at this price range. And you get the right person to wear this,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, whether they have... That's the other part I would say in Nike. Does he have a side deal where he can get an entertainer uh, on the music yeah, side, to wear these shoes. Exactly what I'd be looking at. In a at. partnership. Yeah. I think that would go a lot of ways in terms of somebody having some bad brand cachet coming in there. But in a lot of ways, he's changing the game. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, that we've seen this a long time before in sports in terms of Master P, in terms of what he did. And we've seen how he was able to leverage that. Jay-Z, in terms of what he did. Everybody at the beginning of both of these individuals, in a lot of ways, questioned did they know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft is another example in regards to people creating a market. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can talk about this uh, in terms of um, uh, what's the brand out of Maryland? Uh, Under Armour. Under Armour. Mm-hmm. How they were able to seize a marketplace by something that did not exist uh, for the most part, at least in sports, right? Mm-hmm. And then they Mm -hmm. were able to strategically move outside of that and capture a significant part of the market. So let's say that the tennis shoe market is a uh, multi-million dollar industry, almost a billion dollar industry, right? Mm -hmm. You get a half percent of that, you're doing really well. And that's what people sometimes forget. Everybody looks at them chasing Nike, and obviously he sold that part of it. Because that's what you do in terms of branding that. Mm -hmm. But never mind that he would come anywhere close to Nike Under Armour. If he can do what Under Armour did and create a wedge in the marketplace and literally create an entrance point in such a way that he can somehow get a half a percent or a percentage of the market, uh, he will do just fine. And I I think, really, that that same crowd of kids that are
1: standing in line with Jordans, if you just get... A percentage of that—that—that's like you said—you—you right. you created that web. So I mean, uh, we we talk about capitalism. Right. He does it. <laughs> right. I, I'm I'm very impressed. You know, he's an unafraid uh, capitalist in terms of the way he goes out and 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 promotes and promotes his brand. And and I think it's very interesting. He said from the beginning that you know they're not looking for an endorsement deal. They're looking for a true partner you know, co-branding partner mm-hmm. in terms of uh, this, this, this Big Baller shoe. And I think he's going to find it. I think a lot of the blowback is you, you uh, against
2: uh, it's, it's, LeBar
1: is just the, the personality. Certainly,
2: like you have Shaq. He says, hey, LeBar, real Big Baller brands don't overcharge kids for shoes. And I think, again, this is one brand attacking another brand. Mm-hmm. But for me, it would be interesting for me saying, how do you define what is overcharging? A lot of people would suggest the price that you had on your shoes was too high. All right. So I think you need to be careful about how you do that. But if you're Shaq, you can get away with putting that out there and most people are gonna overlook that factor. But that is the danger that um, that he has uh, in terms of LeVar. Uh, but I think um, he has been able to seize that moment and he's able to articulate a comeback faster than most people in such a way very much that so. he's quiet uh, the talking faces quite quickly yeah. which is another gift to me in a lot of ways that he had right. that he's able to point back. I One thing that it really resonated with me with very early as we just talked about in a lot of ways somebody said hey you, you're um, exploiting your kid. He said this is my child. Right. If I'm exploiting my kid. What are y'all doing? Exactly. Exactly. So, again, he mm. has a way to flip things, not that I think a lot of people are going to listen, but as you suggest, I it's obvious to me that the market he is pushing for certainly isn't what Shaq was talking about. Right. So, in a lot of ways again, this shows while Shaq has a big business and brilliant in regards to Leveraging what he has had to do In creating brand spaces But in a lot of ways It's intriguing to me How people that are Endorsers of brands Think different than people That create
0: their own brand Yeah Hmm. And this Some of this talk will change If Lonzo Ball Is rookie of the year Exactly Because if he has A hell of an NBA rookie season Brilliant sets the world on fire uh, You might hear somebody Come knocking on the door Uh, We want to be a co we want to be part of your true partner and be a co you know co brand with big baller brand and then folks would be like oh looks like a wild wild, ball right all along yeah
1: well I think some of it is just the 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 blowback against uh uh Lonzo is the dad's personality you know and we've seen it before
2: I think it's not just his let's be strategic about this okay it's not just about his personality it's the fact that he goes against the grain. Oh,
1: that's, that's the point that I'm right. trying to, yeah, so trying to say. So we
2: hide it in the fact mm-hmm. that we don't like your personality. Mm-hmm. But really what we are scared of is the fact that you're not going with the norm. And so most people in society are certainly afraid of change. Yeah. Right? We saw it with Richard Williams. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But those folks that are successful are those that have always pushed for change. Sure. You do not find people that have become rich going against the grain. That is interesting to me that oftentimes when people become rich, they go against what they originally did to get them to be rich, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. No, you know, you didn't hear Shaq when people were questioning whether he should be basketball or could he be but right? It was all against the grain in terms of that. No, he didn't he didn't listen to anybody when people were talking about his movies were horrible, right? Right. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
2: Uh, Or some people expressed it, I should say. But it was the fact that he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And That whole thing has created the total shock of Shaq Brands, most positive and maybe some not, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But those are the things that I really want to resonate with our listeners is the understanding that you have to be very careful about listening to the masses in general in terms of the chop speed uh, of what goes on every day. You really have to dissect this in a lot of ways if you really want to start to understand how people are able to generate revenue, oftentimes think much differently than those that are consumers versus those that are
0: not. And I'm gonna wrap it up with, with, put a little bow on this. Props to LeVar Ball and anybody, because what we're doing is on a smaller scale to what Levar Ballz and we are doing. We are creating our own brand. We're putting. We're. We are getting our word out to the listeners via podcast and via the tweets that we put out there, via Facebook, via the Pod Directory, via SoundCloud and iTunes. We have taken time out to create our own niche that's what lavar ball is doing that's what successful people do Mm -hmm. go against the grain you know wildcat and i felt like we could uh, create an outlet to say things we couldn't say on local radio that's a very good point so we took it upon ourselves to to do these podcasts Mm -hmm. dot Urged and prodded me for a while to be part of the podcast, and I'm glad I listened to him and invite him to join us. And now he's a rock, a rock star on these podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to get your word, get your product out, get your word out, get the brand out there, it's all you to get it done. So that's what we've done. That's what he's doing. What Ball's doing. That's what people do when they feel like they need, there's a need to be met. So we're trying to meet that need. So you can catch us as I've touched on it. I'm KG of Houston Round Bar Review. We've got the Rockets game three Friday night, game four, Sunday night. <clears throat> See if series going to end up 2-2 or 3-1 before they head back to San Antonio for game five on Tuesday. Check out HoustonRound HoustonRoundBarReview Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar View on Instagram. The HR Review on Twitter. My own brand. I am Houston Round Bar Review. I busted my butt for 20-some years to get that done. Nasty known. And respected. respected.
1: And respected. Very much so.
0: So that's what it's all about. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Listeners, thank you very much for listening and sharing your thoughts and tweets and retweets. And I think we touched on some stuff this evening. But that's what we do on the KG Fifth Board Walking and Doc podcast. Going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.